Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the book of Acts. Visit kevinconnor.org for details. And uh, just for the present uh, moment here, we'll read just a few verses, uh, Acts chapter 13, picking up the last session I took. We looked at Acts 13 verses 1 through to 3, and the Antioch church, and the beginning of the great missionary journeys now, and we have Paul's first missionary journey, so we'll pick up just uh, verse 4 and 5 for the moment. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. You'll notice in verse 3 it says, when they, that's the church, had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So uh, that's human responsibility. Uh, But in verse 4 we have divine sovereignty. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. So they were sent forth by the Holy Spirit. That's divine sovereignty. And yet they were sent forth by the church. That's human responsibility. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus and when they were at Salamis they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had also John to their uh, servant or their their minister. Now we want to cover just a couple of the high spots or several of the high spots on Paul's first missionary journey which you had uh, some slides concerning last time and just uh, looking at the diagram we had some time back there Uh, this briefly is where we cover in fact uh, uh, we'll sort of refer to this uh, Paul and Barnabas in Antioch of Syria here Paul and Barnabas are sent out and their first port of call is Seleucia from there to Salamis and then to Paphos and uh, we see Sergius Paul is converted there Saul becomes Paul then they uh, moved on to Perga and we find that from now on it becomes Paul and Barnabas, not Barnabas and Paul. Paul assumes the leadership, Mark returns home. Then they move through to uh, Antioch of Pisidia, and we have Paul's sermon, the Gentile response, then on to Iconium, then Lystra, where Paul was stoned, and then Derby, and then they return back to Antioch, the home church. So that is sort of a brief outline of the, the missionary journey that we're going to be covering tonight. And if we were following on the, uh, the map here in the green, uh, Paul's first missionary journey here, leaving Antioch and following right through Salamis, Cyprus, Paphos, uh, Perga and Pisidia, Antioch and Pisidia, and then through to Iconium, Lystra and back again. So we have Paul's first journey then. Uh, reminding ourselves that the four major churches in the New Testament, Jerusalem of course, then Antioch, great missionary church, and later on Ephesus, reaching all throughout Asia Minor, and then Thessalonica, reaching out through Macedonia, Achaia, and so forth. Uh, uh, you'll just see they were the main four churches there. Now, I want you to pick up a point here in verse 5 of uh, Acts uh, 13. And we're told here when they were at Salamis, so they departed to Seleucia and then from there to Cyprus, the Isle of Cyprus there. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now I want you to turn over to a couple of scriptures in uh, Romans, Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. And uh, I don't know how many have sort of ever been challenged uh, by this scripture or troubled by this scripture. 
I was challenged with it uh, once and troubled by it until uh, I did a little bit of study on this and uh, what I want to share with you tonight, at least part of our, uh, our session here. All right, Romans 1, and we're told in verse uh, 15 and 16, or verse 14 through to 16, the three I am's of uh, Paul here. So Romans 1 verse 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so much uh, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You'll notice the three I am's there. Verse 14, I am debtor. Verse 15, I am ready. And verse 16, I am not ashamed. Uh, three I am's of Paul, we might say there. Then in verse 16 he continues, For it is the, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, uh, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, if I would ask you a question tonight, how many believe that the Gospels should still go to the Jew first before we preach to any Gentile that we should be preaching the Gospel to the Jew first? How many would put their hands up? How many would not put their hands up? How many are frightened of getting caught? Put your hands up. Okay, the answer is no, as we're going to see tonight. And so we do have people who have a burden for the Jew and I, I'm not anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish or anti-anybody. I just want to see everybody get saved and the Jew has to get the, uh, saved the same way as we do. There's not one way for the Jew and another way for the Gentiles as some preachers are teaching today that the G Gentiles get saved by faith and the Jews are going to be saved by sight. That's not in the New Testament. So the Jews have to get, the, uh, get saved the same way as we do, saved by grace through faith. And so uh, for, over the years I've heard preachers say, well, the gospel's got to go to the Jew first before we go to the Gentiles or have any missionaries. We must get to the Jew uh, first. All right, I want to refute that tonight and simply say that as we look at what, we've done to, uh, what we're doing tonight, you'll see that this scripture has already been fulfilled and that the gospel is predominantly going to the Gentiles today. I believe the Jew, as I've said on previous occasions, will have their eyes opened uh, to Christ uh, under another outpouring of the Spirit. But basically the gospel is going to the Gentiles. So I want you to listen to what we're going to work through tonight on some of these things. So uh, first of all, I want you to uh, go back to... Uh, okay, so picking up Romans 1.16, so the gospel is the power of God under salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, or whether we say Greek or Gentile. So I want you to sort of pick up this theme with me as we work through Paul's first missionary journey, uh, to the Jew first, all right? And I say that this scripture has been fulfilled, doesn't have to be fulfilled, it has been fulfilled. So first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. So I want you to notice Paul's pattern in this first missionary journey. In fact, it's uh, through, both, uh, through the three missionary journeys, but particularly we pick it up in this first. All right, now I want you to go to Acts 13 verse 5, then we'll move on through some verses here. And the first thing you're going to pick up is that nearly every city that Paul went to, uh, he went to the synagogues of the Jews first. Okay, so this is the pattern that Paul goes to the synagogues. I want you to note the references in the book of Acts as Paul does fulfill this. 
I'm going to the Jew first, all right? So in verse 5, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So to the Jew first. Acts 13 and verse 14 as they continue on their missionary journey, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. Not the Antioch in Syria here, but Antioch in Pisidia. And where did they go? They went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So here they are in the synagogue. Then in verse 15, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So because Paul and Barnabas are recognised as Jews and particularly uh, Paul as a Pharisee, that's why the uh, ones in charge of the synagogue, the rulers of the synagogue would send to them and say, look, if you brethren have any exhortation for the people, I know you're visiting uh, uh, Pharisees here today, particularly Saul, uh, we just want you to take your liberty. And of course Paul did. Go down to Acts 13 verse 42. And as we move on here, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, and they would be, these would be Gentile proselytes, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, so the Gentiles, religious proselytes, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Then again in verse 44, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Alright, so going to the synagogue, chapter 14. Now all this is uh, in Paul's first missionary journey, chapter 14. So as they're moving from city to city, and verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium uh, that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil infected against the brethren. All right, but they went to the synagogue. Then we go down to uh, chapter 15 as uh, we continue on here. Chapter 15 and verse 21 referring to... Uh, We'll deal with this whole issue later. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Go to chapter 17 and verse 1, the second missionary journey here. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reason with them out of the scriptures. So Paul's manner in every city he goes to, he goes to the Jew first, to the Jew first, always go to the synagogue, wherever there was a, a city that had a Jewish synagogue, Paul always went to the Jew first. Chapter 17 and verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. And then uh, go down to verse 17. Paul is now in Athens. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them that met with him. Go to chapter 18. So right through Paul's missionary journeys you'll find 
he fulfilled his scripture. And that's why he could say when writing to the Romans in uh, several years later, he said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. He's not saying preach the gospel to the Jew first. He did do that. So we'll see. So he fulfilled that. So uh, you can't lay that uh, a guilt trip on people today on this whole business. You need to read the book of Acts. So Acts 18 and listen to verse 4. And he reasoned, this is in, uh, when, he, when he leaves Athens and comes to Corinth, uh, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks, Gentile proselytes of course. Then in verse uh, 7, and he depart, departed thence and entered into a certain man's na- house, certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And what's the result? And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then in verse uh, 17, then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, uh, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. Go to, go to uh, verse 19. Now Paul moves on from uh, Athens and Corinth, moves on to Ephesus and he came to Ephesus and left them there but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So we see Paul doing it again then. Go down to verse 26. We see here uh, Apollos born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. He comes to Ephesus and in verse 26 and he began to be, uh, speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And then uh, one other scripture here, chapter 19. Chapter 19. And verse, uh, verse 8. And here Paul is uh, back in Ephesus. And he, came, he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And, uh, but we find the response of the Jews that they hardened their heart. All right, now, I want you to uh, look at two or three other scriptures here and I want to give you what I believe is the climax of the thing. So my argument here is that wherever Paul went or Barnabas, uh, his message was first to the Jew. So the gospel went to the Jew first, but I want you to listen to some key scriptures here. Um, Just before I give you the key scriptures, uh, let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And listen to the command of Jesus to the 12 apostles first of all. Matthew 10 verses 5 and 6. After Jesus calls the twelve apostles, we're told these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. All right, so in the Gospels, they're forbidden to go to the Gentiles. And in, into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. So they weren't to go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. But where are they to go? Verse 6, But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus uh, distinctly in the Gospels forbid the Twelve to go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, uh, but strictly to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, in other words, the house of Judah. Uh, All that was changed after the cross when he said, okay, I want you to preach the Gospel beginning at Jerusalem. 
to the Jew first, then Samaria, uh, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. So this order is reversed once we get to, get to the uh, book of Acts. So in the Gospels, they only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's why uh, the, the uh, disciples were amazed that Jesus talked to the woman of Samaria when they could have said to him, listen, you told us not to go to any of the city of the Samaritans, and here you are preaching to the Samaritans yourself. Well, it was just the first fruits of what was going to happen in the book of Acts. But basically, the twelve apostles, the foundation apostles, were forbidden to go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but strictly to the Jew first. Let's turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 1, a scripture I have uh, uh, mentioned to you on uh, previous occasions, John chapter 1. And this is what we see uh, is happening now in the book of Acts. So John chapter 1 and verse 11. And just break the uh, two, uh, two verses up a little bit here. First phrase is, he came unto his own. So Jesus came to the Jew first. He came unto his own. And what was the general response of the Jew? His own received him not. But then what's the third clause? But as many as received him, to them gave he power or the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that's basically the same uh, principle happens all the way through. The Lord comes to his own, generally his own, receive him not, but to those who do receive, he gives. There's that general principle. Now, I want you to turn uh, over to uh, the book of Romans again. Book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. And see, many people... Uh, who have a burden for the Jew and uh, will use or misuse uh, the scripture I'm giving you, they'll quote Romans 1, but they won't quote Romans 2. Well, I want to quote Romans 1 and 2. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16, reminding you, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right, so the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So everywhere Paul went, his company went to the Jew first, fulfilling this scripture. Then they turned to the Gentiles. So the power of God, the gospel is the power of God to the Jew first, to the Gentile. Now go to Romans 2. And uh, for those who would press Romans 16, 1, 16, I say, why don't you take Romans 2 and verse, uh, uh, let's see, verse 6 we'll pick up, 2.11. Now, listen carefully to the scripture because when people deify the Jew above the Gentile and say the soul of a Jew is more precious than the soul of a Gentile, and when Christians today jump up and down because a Jew got saved, rather than jump up and down when 10 Arabs or someone else gets saved, and I've seen this. There's more excitement if a Jew gets saved than there is if 100 Arabs get saved. And I say, well, why? What's in the Christian mentality about the soul of a Jew above the soul of an Arab? Now, I know when I was in the Middle East there, we had a tremendous time with the, with the Arabs as God was pouring out his spirit, but we had a mighty, mighty tough time with the Jews. Because they would argue right in the middle of preaching, three of us. They argued with us. You Westerners, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't even understand the Bible. 
In fact, it was so bad with the Messianic Jews, we actually apologized for preaching the Bible and preaching the supernatural. Then we went off to the Arabs and had a wonderful time. But the Christians were jumping up, oh, well, Messianic Jew. Well, that's not being anti-Semitic, I'm just showing you the Jew gets the gospel, he's had the gospel first, then he's gone to the Gentiles. Well, why don't we take Romans 2, listen to verse 6 now and let's read it. So who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, eternal life. That's what he's going to render to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality. He's going to render to them eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, that's what he's going to render to them. To those who are contentious, those who do not obey the truth, but those who obey unrighteousness, he's going to render to them indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first. Oh, I don't like that, of the Jew first. I prefer chapter 1 verse 16. And also of the Gentile. But glory honour and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile and then verse 11 is the whole climax of the thing for there is no respect of persons with God so for God to respect the Jew and the soul of a Jew today more than the soul of a Gentile that shows respect to person God is no respect of persons do we believe it tonight saints? He doesn't respect the soul of a Jew today more than he does the soul of a Gentile. He died to save everybody. And everybody has to come to the cross the same way. See, so, but to deify the Jew and say, as I've talked to brethren right in this place here, well, the Jew is still the chosen nation. But I said, unless they accept Christ, they're going to go to hell. Well, they're still the chosen nation. As I talked to this brother, he said, well, look, God has a special plan for the Jews. I said, show it to me in the Bible. He said, well, don't you believe the Jews are going to get saved? I said, yeah, the same way as we do. Well, once they get saved, God's got a special plan for the Jews. So I said, tell me what the special plan is. Well, it's a mystery, he said. I said, it sure is. <laughs> huh? So I said... This is what you're saying, that when the Jew gets saved, so God pours his spirit out on the Jew and they get saved, God has a special plan for the Jew. And what is that special plan? He said, well, it's a mystery. I, I, I can't explain it to you, but I know it's there. But I said, show it to me. So I said, is it a plan different to what the church is doing? The church is supposed to be preaching the gospel to every creature, saving souls, healing the sick and everything like that. So what are the Jews going to do different to what the church is supposed to do? Well, he said, it's a mystery. I said, sure is. But I said, show it to me in the Bible. And I said, what's more, what do you do with Paul who's a Jew and John and all these fellows? He said, once you get saved in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. So once a Jew gets saved, is he a Jew any longer? Once a Gentile gets saved, is he a Gentile any longer? In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. National barriers cease to exist in Christ. Is that right? So how can we have the church, the body of Christ, 
which is composed of Jew and Gentile, and then we have the Jews getting saved, and the Jews are going to do a special plan and a special ministry, what the church doesn't do. So I said, you're going to have two companies of God's people, the church composed of Jew and Gentile, and then a bunch of converted Jews over here doing what? Well, he was inclined to get agitated with me and lose his second blessing. So, so uh, you know, the gospel to the Jew first to the Gentile, but tribulation, anguish, and wrath to the Jew first and to the Gentile. But glory, honour, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and to the Gentile, because there's no respect of persons with God. Can we say amen to that, saints? I know it's heavy, but that's Bible. All right, now I want to give you... Uh, two other scriptures, the key scripture, and then we have to move on. But I want you to pick up the, one of the major themes through the missionary journeys of Paul is that the gospel did go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, but we're going to see what happened. Now turn to, um, I think, uh, Acts 13 again. Acts 13. All right, Acts chapter 13. Now, let's pick up in uh, verse 44, Acts 13 and verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were really excited and said, it's absolutely fantastic the way the Gentiles are responding to the gospel. Is that what your Bible says? The light is bad up here. They were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now listen to verse 46 because these verses I'm giving you are the climax of all I've gone through and in the New Testament I've gone through this whole pattern of the Jew first, Jesus went to the Jew first, not to the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans, to the Jew first. And then he changed the order and said, okay, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the othermost parts of the earth. And in the book of Acts, we still see them fulfilling this to the Jew first, to the Gentile. That's the pattern right through the book of Acts on the missionary journeys. Now, Acts 13 is sort of the climax of it all. And this is by the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans 1 and wrote Romans 2 to the Jew first, to the Gentile. Gospels, power of God, wrath of God, tribulation, anguish to the Jew first and to them to the Gentile. God's no respecter of persons. All right, verse 44. And the next uh, Sabbath day came the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now listen to Paul's word here in Barnabas. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first I've circled that word first. It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Why? Because he came unto his own. He came to his own first. To the Jew first. Jerusalem, Judea first. So it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Isn't that verse clear? How many have seen that verse before? It's very clear. So it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, because gospel to the Jew first. 
But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord commanded us. So the Lord told Paul and Barnabas, look, go to the synagogues first, but if they reject it, go to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for, for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they said, Whoopee, hallelujah, wonderful, we'll accept the gospel. They were glad. All the Jews were mad, the Gentiles were glad. And they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But what happened? But the Jews stirred up the devout and honourable women who should have known better, and the chief men of the city who should have known better, and raised persecution, and, you know, I know they said something else, against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go over to one other verse on this uh, uh, theme I've been following. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So I personally don't allow anybody to lay a guilt trip on me and say, oh, well, the gospel's got to go to the Jew first. So, well, if you have a burden and that's your calling, great. Others have a burden for Africa, China, India, Russia, Malaysia, Indonesia, whatever. But don't lay a guilt trip on us because they did receive the gospel first and, and judge themselves unworthy of eternal life. So they've got to come the same way as the Gentiles. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writing here. And pretty heavy language here. Verse, uh, verse 13. We've read where Paul went in Thess into Thessalonica and went to the synagogue of the Jews and a number of people responded to the gospel. Other Jews rejected it. And uh, every synagogue Paul went into, do you know he actually split every synagogue wide open? I mean, it says, Mark, them that caused divisions. Paul wrote that. Well, he was the worst because every synagogue he went to, he split every synagogue. He was the greatest divider and divisionary man I've seen in the book of Acts. And every time they opened the platform to him, uh, the platform to him in the synagogues, he split the synagogue wide open. What do you think we should do with Paul? Well, we'll read what he says here, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. And listen to the Jesus here. Who both killed the Lord Jesus, who, the Jews, killed the Lord Jesus, and their own prophets, so they killed their own prophets, and they persecuted us, literally chased us out, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Tribulation, anguish and wrath to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. So that's pretty heavy list. Paul, who is a Jew after the flesh, 
He's talking about his own countrymen and said this is a headache. They've been to him everywhere he went. So what I'm saying, summarizing that, spending having spent a lot of time on it, is that I believe the scripture has been fulfilled. The gospel went to the Jews first, to the synagogues, and eventually, as you'll see in city after city, uh, the Jews rejected it, and so Paul turned to the Gentiles. So uh, I do hope that's answered uh, a few of those questions in our mind. How many feel it has answered that question in your mind? So I'm happy for anybody who's called to minister the Jew or the Gentile or Indonesia or Russia or China or Africa, anywhere. My whole point is don't deify the Jew above anybody else's soul because Jesus loves all men. He is no respecter of persons. And I said to this brother who had this special plan, I said, every Jew in the world today, along with every Gentile, if they do not accept Christ as their saviour, they're going to hell. But he said, they're still the chosen nation. I said, I don't believe they are. But even if they were, if they don't accept Christ, they're going to hell. I said, what about all the Jews who have died without Christ? Are they still the chosen nation, the elect and select of the elect? See, so to try and find in the New Testament some special work that the converted Jews are going to do greater than the church has ever done for 2,000 years, find it for me. Eh? No wonder the Jews in Portland wrote in an article in the newspaper once, if the Christians believe we are the chosen nation, why don't they get off our back and stop trying to convert us to Christ? They come out in headlines in the Portland paper when I was in the States. And if they believe, they, the article went on, if they believe that there's going to be a millennium kingdom and the Jews are going to be head, head over all the nations and all the nations are going to submit to the Jewish nation, why don't the Christians leave us alone and get off our back and stop trying to proselyte us to Christianity? That's a good point from unconverted Jews. All right, back to the Bible. Okay, now, let's just touch a couple of other things here before we have to quit. Now, back, Acts 13, pick up a couple of things here. You'll notice that uh, city after city as they go through, in some cities there's results, some cities there's nothing. But Paul did go wherever there was a synagogue and the gospel went to the Jew first. Now, you'll notice from verse 4 uh, through to... Um, at least verse 13, yes, uh, you'll find that the first opposition that Paul has is uh, by this uh, sorcerer. And uh, you'll notice pretty heavy judgment here because when they get to the Isle of Paphos down here, uh, Cyprus, Salamis, and then through the island, right through to Paphos, preaching the word there and the, uh, uh, as you look at the scripture there, the, the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, he wanted to hear the word of God. But what happens? There's a, uh, a sorcerer, uh, a false prophet, a Jew, and you'll notice uh, the, the danger in his name, whose name was Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. So uh, uh, he resisted the word of God and resisted the deputy and tried to turn him from the faith. And so what a contrast this is in verse uh, 9. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, you child of the devil. That's a nice way to win people, isn't it? How to win Jews and influence Greeks in six easy lessons. Uh, you enemy, enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And he said, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. So uh, immediately a darkness falls upon him 
and uh, he has to be led away by the hand. And I do like verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Well, it's pretty astonishing. So I thought you were supposed to heal people. You know, Paul had been struck blind on the Damascus road and then healed, but now this guy who can see, he's blinded for a season. So, you know, the same God that can heal eyes, open blinded eyes, also can smite them blind uh, because of this. Now, why do you think the, uh, the judgment was so, so heavy here? Two or three things. First of all, this man was a Jew. So as a Jew, he knew better. He knew the scriptures, and they were also told in verse 6, he was not only a Jew, he was a false prophet. And as a Jew, he would know the scriptures concerning the uh, death penalty that was on false prophets. And then not only was he a false prophet, we're told he was a sorcerer. And wherever you see the word sorcerer in the New Testament, it's actually literally a, a maker and enchanter and user of drugs. So he's into potions and uh, drugs and everything like that. So, you know, he's a Jew, he's a false prophet, he's a sorcerer. So his sin causing somebody to resist. You know, I wonder what would happen today if, you know, we really, those who try to turn people from hearing the gospel, if you suddenly smote them blind and say, listen, you're going to be blind for a season. We'll make it three months just for short. How many think people would get saved in self-defense then? Huh? But Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit when he did that, so we'd probably have to be well filled with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we? But, uh, what a thing. Then we go down to verse uh, 14, uh, or verse 13, at the end of there we find John departing from them, returned to Jerusalem, and uh, I'm sure all of us have heard messages over the years that uh, when Paul and Barnabas had a Barney, <laughs> that sounds good, doesn't it? A tip over John Mark, uh, who was right? Was uh, Barnabas right? Was Paul right? Uh, personally, I think uh, Paul was right. Uh, but I think Barnabas was right later on to work on, uh, on John Mark because he was his uncle or something like that. And so John Mark, literally, when it says when he returned to Jerusalem, he literally, he literally withdrew away from the party. He thought things are getting too tough here and went back to mum, back at Jerusalem. But later on, Paul said, uh, bring him, he's profitable to me, to the ministry. Then you go uh, from uh, verse 14, they went from Perga, and they came to Antioch, into, into Pisidia, went into the synagogues. And uh, just worthy to note, in Acts 13 and 14, two things here, time's just about through, but let me make a note here. It's interesting to note Paul's sermon uh, to the Jews, and in Acts 14, about the end of the missionary journey, on, when they returned back, his sermon uh, to the Gentiles. So we have in Acts 13 and 14, uh, the first two recorded sort of sermons of Paul to the, uh, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And what Paul does right through here without putting everything on the board, he actually, uh, like, like Stephen's sermon it seems, he covers uh, Genesis, uh, just made a note of the books, he covers Exodus, Numbers, uh, Joshua, he sort of gives a panoramic view of their history, uh, Judges, uh, Samuel, uh, he just, in, in verses, just, or what are verses in our Bible, he just goes back to the God of our fathers, chose us, he brought our 
fathers out of, out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and then he uh, cast out seven nations, gave them the land for an inheritance, uh, book of Judges. Then he brought Saul in as king and then David as king. And then after coming way down to David, he goes right from David's history, covers right through to John the Baptist. And then when he gets into the main part of his message, he covers from John's ministry and right through to the Lord Jesus Christ and he covers the three basic uh, ingredients of the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and presents him as their, as, as their saviour. That was the gospel. So when it comes to that, Paul just quotes scripture after scripture and alludes to the, uh, the books of the Bible. But when it comes to the Gentiles, uh, Paul never mentions one verse of scripture. Here, he refers to the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and we might put this to the revelation that was given to the chosen nation, uh, the revelation, the Old Testament scriptures. But here, he doesn't give one verse of scripture, he doesn't refer to revelation, he refers to creation. Because he's got to begin there. They're not familiar with the Bible, they don't know the scriptures. And so Paul uh, talks to them about, uh, go to chapter 14, we'll have to finish on this. Uh, verse 15 of chapter 14. And saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men alike passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities to the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered the all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left us not himself without witness in that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So his whole appeal in the message is here, creation, not revelation. He doesn't appeal to scriptures here. He appeals to the word of God in creation, not the word of God in revelation. Or what we say in theology, general revelation and not special revelation, which the scriptures were. So it's interesting to go through the book of Acts and see uh, Paul's dealings with the Gentiles or with the Jews in uh, preaching the gospel. All right, our time is up. hope this has been helpful to us tonight. Everybody said amen. Let's all stand. Father, we just come to you in the close of our teaching session tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your gospel is available to all people and that you are indeed no respect of persons, Jew or Gentile, but in every nation, those who have a true heart to call upon you, you're ready to hear and answer prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time of sharing together in your word. Pray, Lord, it will be profitable and it will fall upon good ground of our heart and bring forth fruit. Help us, Lord, even as you gave Paul and Barnabas wisdom in dealing with those who knew the scriptures and those who didn't know the scriptures, uh, just the wisdom that you gave them in handling the gospel. We thank you, Father, and we just commend ourselves to you until we meet again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.